in at the side. This is episode number 14 brought to you by Dodger Sevens. Uh, today I'm hosting the show. I'm joined by regulars JK and Dom Hardman. And also uh, today's guest is this guy. Conversion and Warriors were back to a full complement when George Shooter nicked the ball on 28 minutes and crossed for a 10-3 lead. The Red <laughs> So welcome along. <coughs> Thank you very much for coming on the, on the show tonight. How are you? Yeah, good. Good, thanks. Uh, cabin fever, well and truly set in, but um, surviving. Still, 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 still trucking. That's the main thing. That's the main thing, is that? And what are you doing to sort of keep yourself busy in uh, in lockdown at the moment? Uh, not not too much to be honest. Um, just sort of walking the dog. Uh, watch, I think I've watched all of YouTube. Um, <laughs> <completely> <laughs> shopping. <laughs> yeah, just just I don't know anything really. Just sort of try and keep your mind off the fact that you're stuck in indoors most of the day. But yeah, it, it is what it is, isn't it? It's it's not ideal, but uh, everyone's in the same boat, so you can't complain too much. So yeah, when you say you've uh, watched all of YouTube, does that mean you've watched uh, the whole of our podcast series so far? Then they're the thirteen videos I've got to uh, I've got to do to finish YouTube. Sorry, <laughs> you can give us some tips on it anyway. I'm sure there's yeah. I'm sure there's some tips we can pick up from them. Now, obviously, you had a you had a massive uh, playing career and um, played at Saracens, uh, went to Leicester as well. Uh, won I think seven titles and two um, European championships. Yeah. Um, what was the transition like from going to, to from playing constantly week in week out to to suddenly stopping and and, and retiring and, and and not carrying on? Um, actually, relatively easy. I think I got to a stage where, um, well, yeah, probably, probably for the last five or six years of my career, my body was on on the sort of the downslope and things were sort of starting to fall off and uh, and, and not work like they're supposed to. So uh, you spend a lot of that time kidding yourself mentally, telling yourself. You, you know, you're okay, you're fit to play, you're fit to train, you're trying to convince yourself that things don't hurt as much as they do. And then it, it, it got to a point where I couldn't do that anymore. I, I actually remember it quite vividly. I played um, my last game for Leicester was at Bath at Welford Road, against Bath at Welford Road, sat on the bench, came on for the last sort of 25 minutes or so, got yellow carded within <clears> five minutes. Uh, and so I basically ended up only playing about 10, 15 minutes of the game and woke up on the Sunday morning or maybe the Monday it was, uh, to go to training and I was I was in bits for my back, my knees, my ankles. I was I had to roll myself out of bed, um, and and sort of walk down the stairs backwards. And I just sort of sat there thinking to myself. I had a cup of coffee at breakfast, and I think, what the hell are you doing? This is this is not fun. This is not where you you, you don't enjoy this. Um, and I, I I retired about three weeks later. Um, and it was actually it was that quick. And I always always did always say to myself that when when you stop enjoying it, because I, I loved I loved training. I loved Obviously, playing was great. I loved training. I loved being around the club. I loved everything to do with the, with, with the game. Um, and I always said to myself, when that sort of starts to, to wane and, and, and you, you actually question what you're doing, that's the time to give up. And you know, I, I went played for 18 years, so I, I sort of squeezed that toothpaste, the tube of toothpaste right dry. And <laughs> um, at the end, it was very quick. And I guess, I guess you know, the writing had been on the wall for a couple of years with some younger guys coming in and new, new guys getting signed and... Yeah, you can only turn back the uh, the, the tide of age uh, for so long. Um, and, but yeah, it was it was pretty quick at the end, and um, I, I wouldn't say I was definitely ready for it. It was, it was obviously a big wrench, but uh, the decision was was pretty much out of my hands. It was more sort of uh, thinking about the future and thinking about being some sort of being able to sort of relatively live a half decent life after <laughs> after playing or you know carry on and just potentially do yourself some serious damage. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the, the, I won't lie. The first, 
But the first week after announcing retirement, where the weekend goes by and then you wake up Monday morning, you've got nowhere to be. Um, yeah. For sort of legal, I was still in mid sort of contracts, so for legal reasons, I couldn't go out and get another job. I couldn't go and basically, I didn't do anything. I wasn't allowed to do anything until it was all tied up and, and uh, uh, all the, uh, the T's crossed and the I's dotted. So, yeah, just sort of at home, nowhere to be, nothing to do, no one telling me what time training was or who's your kid watching. Yeah, and it was, it was very strange. It was it was just a very strange period. That that sort of the first month, really, in some ways, because um, the season was still going on strong, and you know, the Tigers were uh, there thereabouts in the Premier Coming where they were at the time. I think sort of top three. So the, the season was still going on, and I was just sort of sat home, um, and, and I, I was in a pretty uh, quite a lot of pain, actually, quite a lot of discomfort in the back at the time. Um, so genuinely, just sort of. Uh, sat in a chair and not been able to do much else and it was all very very strange considering the 18 years previously you sort of were out training five or six times a week um, yeah so it was a, a strange period I wouldn't say it was easy but it wasn't as hard as it could have been it's certainly not as hard as it's been for some people I know no fair enough uh, do, you, do you still keep in touch with any of the lads from from Leicester or Saracens? Any, any lads still at Saracens? That yeah, need? yeah, we, we've got um, we've got a couple of WhatsApp groups with a few of the Saracens boys that I played. A, you, know, you have to bear in mind that most of the guys I played with in the beginning were, were all amateurs, and yeah. uh, they, they might have played a year or two at the beginning of the professional era. But uh, I signed for Saracens in 1996, which was the first full professional season. So a lot of these guys were you know 35, 36 at that time. Mm -hmm. so they're, they're 20 odd years later, there. They're all old, old buggers now. But yeah, we keep in touch. Uh, most of them still live around the sort of London and the South East. So I, I work down there a bit and catch up with probably half a dozen, maybe 10 of them uh, once, once or twice a year. A few of them work in the city, so I see a few of them. Uh, same really with the Leicester guys. Um, you know, most of us still live relatively local to, to Leicester, mm -hmm. uh, certainly in, in the county. So yeah, we, we sort of bump into each other here and there, working, and we try and get together a couple of times a year as sort of an old older uh, player's crew. Uh, maybe a couple of games or uh, go meet in a pub somewhere for Christmas or whatever. But yeah, so it's, I think it's, it's the same as I think blokes around the world are all the same. I mean, you, you sort of don't see each other for 15 years. You meet up and suddenly everyone just picks up where they left off and it's the old nicknames yeah. come out and the old stories come out. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's exactly the same for us. Although we actually live probably within about 50 miles of everyone, uh, mm -hmm. you don't see each other very often. But when you do, it's, it's usually good fun. No, we, had a, we, had a Zoom, we had a Zoom quiz the other night, actually. There was about 30 of them. Leicester, Leon Lloyd arranged it. So that was, that was actually good fun to see a few guys. Where did you, where did you place? Um, oh, terrible, actually. I, well, I, it was all sort of uh, very... So Leon Lloyd, Leon Lloyd created a quiz. He did a good job, actually. But it was all sort of very centred around his early, sort of early part of the club. It was just before I joined. So I knew a few of the stories, but it was all uh, a little bit over my head. But um, I was in the top 10, I think, which I was quite happy with. But... Yeah, some of the, some of the guys. You know, Jamie Hamilton lives in New Zealand now. He works for the All Blacks as the um, uh, video analyst. A couple of guys living in France, uh, Australia. So it was, it was great to catch up with those guys who I've genuinely not seen someone like Perry Freshwater, who was a really good mate of mine. I've not seen him for about ten years now. So uh, I guess that's a silver lining coming out of what's going on now. Is that sort of thing is happening? Yeah, probably yeah. now spending more time talking to people. The yeah. The, the old thing that he talks to his mum now more than it's true oh, he says that so much I was waiting for the hello mum but yeah you start to see these people and you're like oh my god why is it taking a pandemic yeah serious as this just yeah. have a, a bit of a chat and a giggle on a, on a zoom or a, a team yeah 
Well, so I mean, when it first came out, all the stuff that, and everyone was doing Zoom meetings, it was all a bit of an object of ridicule, wasn't it? It's like, oh, Zooms, this, this, that, blah, blah. <laughs> But actually, yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, cracking, <laughs> cracking, like I said, cracking reason to, to get in touch with uh, uh, some more places. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. And, and um, in terms of, uh, you know, staying active and stuff like that, have you been tempted to do any, like, skills videos? You've seen some of these thick skills videos on the internet, you know, maybe passing on some of your... Your, you know, your knowledge and line-out skills onto onto younger players and like um, I haven't been tempted. I, I, I'm I'm a pretty keen cricketer. I, I'm a, a, a play for <laughs> Lords Taverners, which is the, the sort of the, the cricket equipment they wouldn't spoon, I suppose, charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very early on, there was um, there was a bit of a uh, challenge of doing keepy ups with a tennis ball and a cricket bat handle. Um, oh. And I mm-hmm. I did that, and I got all dressed up in the garden in my in my cricket gear, the whites and the pads and all that. Um, but I, I don't know. I just uh, I've not I've not I've not um, I've not sort of jumped on that bandwagon yet. I guess another three or four weeks left in in lockdown, I might have to do something to keep myself sane. But uh, the skills videos, I don't, I don't know. It's not really it's not really for me to be honest. But if, uh, if someone someone out there wants me to do it, then give me a shout and I'll, uh, I'll see if I can get all done together. But <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I, I'm not very good on video, so it's uh, not my not my best medium. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Now, going back to your Premiership days, um, in terms of, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Gloucester fan. Uh, you might have heard from that. <laughs> yeah. um, which team out of any in the Premiership did you least like playing against? Which one did you think, oh, fuck's sake, we're playing them again? Probably Leicester, really. Leicester. It was funny because the first four years uh, when I was at Saracen, there was a real big rivalry. A real, I mean, obviously, it's still pretty big today, but... Uh, for some reason, not it wasn't a local derby. Obviously, it's Leicester against a, a North London rugby club. But there was a real animosity, I think, because Leicester were very much the old order, the old established order. Uh, yeah. And then Saracens come along with Nigel Ray and had had a bit of money and were signing some flashy international players. So I think there was a bit of resentment, certainly from the Leicester side. And um, I remember the, 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 we played, I don't know, eight or nine games in the sort of late nineties, mid to late nineties, and they were proper wars. Uh, and there was a real bad blood between the clubs and you know, the supporters. Yeah, the players were all right. You know, you'd meet up with the guys with England and that, and it wasn't too bad. But genuinely, uh, on match days, it was it was it was a real bitter rivalry. Um, so if you'd asked me in 1999 or 2000, would you fancy for Leicester? Although well, they were the best team around, I'd, I'd have laughed in the face. You know, no thanks. <laughs> uh, they, I hate them. They just spent the last four years kicking lumps out of each other. Um, and then you come up to Welford Road and. Back then, you know, you drive it. We used to stay at the there's a Hilton hotel just by the M1. So you'd stay out on the motorway, get the mm. get the coach in through about two or three council estates into Welford Road in the, in the middle of town. Uh, real sort of bare pit of an atmosphere. Really, really sort of passionate. So we say passionate supporters who didn't mind uh, giving you some on the sideline. Uh, and then you'd invariably get your get your ass kicked, and then you'd go home again. And it's like, well, this is horrible. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, no, it's no fun at all. Um, so yeah, for yeah, that, that first sort of three or four, I mean, we had we had some pretty uh, Saracens had some good rivalries with the London clubs, obviously sort of derby types, particularly Wasp. But yeah, Leicester were, were a particularly unpleasant team to play against. But uh, yeah, then then I end up, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but I end up playing up here, and it's it's been you know it's, it was. A, the best move I made in my life and mm. still live up here. I absolutely love it up here. Um, it was much, much better playing for uh, the fans, playing for their team and playing in the same team as Martin Johnson and uh, Darren Garth. It was, it was far, far better doing that than it was playing against them, I can assure you. Yeah. Um, well, you should mention Martin Johnson because um, my brother went to university in Leicester. Oh, yeah. 
went to visit him quite often. I didn't go to uni. I was in the University of Life. Saved a lot of money. That <laughs> well, that's why I'm so clever. Um, <laughs> so he was telling me about this one story. I wasn't there, unfortunately. He was stood six deep at the bar. I can't remember which bar it was. He was getting shoved in the back, shoved in the back. He was like, fuck off. Stop, really stop shoving me. Like, happened two or three times. On the third time, he spun round and he went, Martin, <laughs> do, uh, do you want to go forward? It was Martin Johnson and he just ushered him straight to the bar. He just, uh, no, 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 we, we, the old world for Rome used to have, um, I think, six, 15 or 16 bars all dotted, dotted around the grounds. Uh, and after the games, we used to go, there, there's a bar called the Drog Lights, which is an anagram of old Tigers, that's our sort of former players bar. Uh, and we used to go in there after the games and lads would be on the bar serving beers and uh, you have all the match, all the match day squad would be in there, low league sort of extra players, all the old players, uh, then about 100, 100 odd sort of fans. And it was room, you know, about the size of uh, someone's living room. It was tiny, it was a tiny bar, just, everyone just crammed in. Um, and that, yeah, those, those are great days, great atmospheres. Yeah, usually we won as well. It was a happy place, it was a fun place to be. Um, but you know, and yeah, I, I get it. The game's moved on, and you know, it's all very professional now. But yeah, you know, this is this is this was professional rugby still, late nineties, sort of yeah. first three or four years of the professional game, and yeah, you know, people people still talk about it. I still get fans talking to you about it now all, all the fun we had, the fun times we had in the drug lights. We you know, they used to do an end of season three legged race as well. So we'd be in the changing rooms, get with a partner, tie, tape your leg together, so you'd be. And then he'd race around the bar. You have to have a, have a beer in every bar. So it's fifteen or sixteen. The best yeah. it, it was the, it was the partner that everyone fought to have. Oh uh, well, so the, the best drinkers would have been someone like Garforth. But uh, actually, the people who used to win that sort of competition were people like Leon Lloyd and Lewis Moody, who found ways to cheat. <laughs> terrible <laughs> drinkers. They're terrible drinkers. But they used to find ways to sort of get around it all and. Um, you know, tipping, tipping beers over and all that. So, but that, again, you know, the fans are still there. <coughs> an hour after the game had finished, so we'd be in our kit, um, yeah. maybe sling a pair of trainers on, but in our kit, running around bars having beers, um, and then you know we'd either go to the drugs or go to one of the other bars, and we get kicked out about sort of ten pm. It was you know. Um, now you only see one player doing that, and that's Andy Goode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back then, you've got a team of them. Now, we've got one Saris <laughs> player who's an animal. Yeah, yeah. Going back to... So, um, oh, sorry, go on now. You go. No, no, I was just going to ask one question relating to that. Um, when you were playing, you touched on it briefly. Um, now, I'm sort of similar, sort of, I'm a little bit older than me, you won't mind me saying, but I'm, I'm similar sort of age range to yourself. When, we, when I started playing rugby, I didn't play to any high level, but... There was no social media. There was no emphasis on people being watched all the time. Do you think the pressures on professional rugby players nowadays uh, are more than, than when you first started? Much more, much more, yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I've been fairly honest about this over the, over the last, I don't know, 10 years. I, I feel sorry for young players now. I feel sorry for young players coming through uh, the sort of rugby system because rugby still is that game at heart. It's still a social, um, social game. It's... Yeah, the professionalism is less than 0.1% of the players in this country are professional. So that's a, that's, I don't know, a quarter of a million, 300,000 rugby players in the country who still play like they did when we were kids. You know, they go out and have beers and they, they play because they love the crap, they love the game, they love the social bit. Um, and I do I genuinely think young players now miss out on that. And I'm, you know, again, I, I understand I played, I played in the professional era and it was, it was great for me and had a great time and it was, it was a fantastic living and all that. Um, but I'd, I'd have played it anyway. I'd have played rugby anyway, even if it yeah. hadn't been professional. Uh, and I think part of that was, was the sort of the fun we had 
And, I, and I'm not talking about just going to boozing and being stupid, but actually having fun, going out there, playing on a Saturday. You know, you obviously want to win. Everyone wants to win. But if you, if you, if you lose, people aren't going to be uh, asking for your job and giving you all this sort of grief. Uh, whereas now, you've got sort of 15-year-old kids who want to be professional players. They don't ever get to experience the fun uh, of going on tour, going, going, to, going to Bognor Regis for, for a long weekend over <laughs> East or Butler Minor or something like that, some of those sort of tours that we used to do. And, one, yeah. and Isle of Man or the Isle of Wight, something like that. They don't do that anymore. They don't, they don't get through it because from 15 years old, their, their one goal is to be a professional player. And unfortunately, the reality yeah. is very, very few of them make it. Um, and they actually, they, they don't get to experience the game that I, or we, I assume we all still grew up loving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, it ends up to the fact that they've wasted their time, and then yeah. they kind of fall out, out of love with the game. Yeah, oh yeah, and you know, I, 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 I coached at Loughborough, coached at Loughborough Uni for three years just after I finished playing, and we yeah. had pretty much every year you get sort of ten or fifteen lads coming through the door who have been in academies, various Premiership academies, not quite made it because you're too short too slow, too small, whatever it was. Uh, so they've spent the last five years building themselves up to have their bubble burst. And then mm. they're, they're genuinely hating the game. They're, oh, I don't want to play. Well, I'll go and play for, for sort of like the fourth team and have, have a social Wednesday or whatever it is. Yeah, and he's a, <laughs> a, a kid who played for England 20s, England 18s, good, good yeah. players. So part of your job there was actually getting them to fall back in love with the game, getting to enjoy the game again and getting to realise that actually there's a different, different pathway back into the professional game if you're not ready yet. 17, 18 years old, doesn't mean you'll never be ready. Uh, no. The first biggest hurdle was actually getting them to enjoy rugby again, uh, which, was, which was hard work. And at the same time, obviously, we were a big advocate of uh, mental health. Um, yeah. That sort of thing is key because yeah. it, it's a big knock at such a young age, at 17, 18, your mental health just completely plummets. You, oh, yeah. I mean, and, and, and yeah. You get drunk around the 20s, you're like, fuck yeah. yeah. It's, it's a much tougher, much tougher world. I mean, I'm sounding old now. It's a much tougher world to grow up in now. I've got, I've got teenage daughters, so I, I know the pressures kids are under from social media, all that sort of stuff, which mm. again is inevitable. It's part of what we, what we are. Um, but what, you know, again, the custom on my back to when I was sort of 17, 18 years old, I couldn't, you know, no idea what I do, just enjoying playing rugby, playing cricket, whatever it was not enjoying school too much. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, didn't, I, didn't feel, I didn't feel that pressure to do anything or be anyone. Or you know, if, if I was a bit overweight, I didn't care. I probably was. Um, you know, we, we, had, we had fat kids and skinny kids at school and that was it. You know, no, one, yeah. no one got into sort of a downward mental spiral because of um, you know, a couple of bits of teasing at right. school. But now it's people doing it remotely from all over the world to give you, give you grief, whether it's talking about kids or talking about players, you know, athletes mm -hmm. who have to face criticism or that. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it goes back to the original point. I don't think it's a lot of fun anymore being, being a professional sportsman. Um, I genuinely don't. So you talk about, obviously, obviously you've seen both sides of the game, sort of, well, when it was amateur and then when it sort of started becoming more professional. Yeah. Was it a gradual change for you going into the professional standards or was um, it overnight, you it, know, it was, a change of attitude or? It, it was a funny, a really funny time actually. And, um, it comes back to what I was saying earlier, a lot. So the Saracens um, team I joined, we had, I think, about 12, maybe 14 full-time players on full-time contracts. Uh, and we were, we were brought in, this is uh, from June onwards, June 96 onwards for pre-season. They said, right, you're coming in, uh, be at the club half eight in the morning and you can go home half four because you're a full-time employee. That's yeah. full-time office hours. So we'd come in and we'd train on Monday to Friday, train three and a half hours in the morning on the field. 
three and a half hours in the afternoon on the field, pretty much with a, with a break for lunch, or we do two hours, two and a half hours in the gym. Uh, again, you know, completely mindless compared to today's sort of standards. But that was it, you're a full-time player, so that's what you've got to do. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we come back and we train with the other 30 guys or 25 guys who are teachers and lawyers and accountants and who are part-time. Yeah. Uh, and then the Saturday team was made up of the majority of the uh, new, new full-time players and then quite a few of last year's first team guys. And then that meant the second team I played most of my rugby in my first year at Saris was the previous year's first team. So it was, it was a really good bunch of lads, really good players. Um, some guy, I mean, we had, we had a guy called John Buckton who played two or three times for England in the late 80s. He was in the second team with me and playing centre. And he was a great guy, great to learn off. We had two really old, old wizard props who'd been around the National Leagues for years. So we had, and we played every team home and away. So we played 26, 28 games. Every Saturday we had a game. Nice. Me playing loads of rugby, getting paid for it. Well, not, not necessarily getting paid for the second team rugby, but getting paid for training. Then we had an Anglo Welsh league that ran on a Wednesday night. So I played, I don't know, about 13 or 14. Like they were first team games. 13 or 14 first team games for that. Um, and then sat on the bench a few times in the Premiership. So I ended up playing about 35, between 35 and 40 odd games of rugby that year. Um, uh, this is coming from pretty much fresh out of school. I've been out of school for a year, played for my school's old boys team in London, um, in sort of uh, been level six now. It's just one below national leagues. Um, so it was a real, a real sort of strange step up. And actually, the rugby was a bit tougher, but you've got to bear in mind that everyone was amateur the previous year. So yeah. e- even the, the sort of the Leicesters and the Bass at the time, they weren't. Uh, a million times better than the teams in sort of level four, level five, because players are all still part time. Yes, they're better players, but so the goal wasn't that big. Whereas now, between levels sort of one, two, three, and four, the, the, the gaps are huge. Um, so in terms of being playing rugby, I could do that. I could do the physical bit. I was quite big from age. I had no problem with that. The training I loved, and um, so yeah, suddenly I'm just a full time player, and it was just like, well, no one knew how, no one knew how to do it. No one knew how to coach full time. Uh, our head coach was a uh, headmaster. He was he was still teaching. In fact, he just gave up gave up work to t- to to do his full time. But yeah, no one had told him how to coach full time. No one had told him how to structure a training week, how to prepare, <laughs> how to prepare for for um, for a game on a Saturday or a Wednesday. Uh, we had um, a guy called Matthew Yates who used to run fifteen hundred meters for Great Britain. His dad, yeah. Mark, was our uh, our fitness guy. He was our fitness guy. He was our weights training guy. He was our sprint guy. Um, and you know he did. He did everything. So we all did everything in the squad. And I say, you go to the gym and there'd be uh, six sets of 10 this, six sets. And you'd be in a daily Lloyd gym in North London for three hours. And you come out and you, that, that was your training, that was your, that was your weights. Uh, so yeah, it was just a very sort of strange time where everyone was still feeling their way in. But um, again, like I say, it was, it was, it was good fun. We had, we, had, we had good fun. It was people, people were um, keen and excited because it was a new era. Uh, but yeah, yeah all rules. It was a blind leading the blind. It really was. So yeah, how did the how then did obviously you talk about the rivalry between Saracen and Leicester? How did that move then come about? Uh, me me moved to Leicester. Yeah. Um, well, I, I played at Saracens for four years, so uh, ninety six to two thousand, and um, uh, I'd been involved with England in ninety seven, ninety eight. Went on tour in ninety eight, so I'd had about two weeks off between seasons for three seasons, and I ended up playing. I think I played, played 92 games for, for, for Saris in four years, pretty much. Um, so there's a lot of rugby and, and not much yeah. of a, a turnaround in between. Uh, and I, had a, had a, I was out of contract in, in 2000 in, in June. Um, and Saris wanted me to stay. They'd offered me a new one. Um, and I, I, I 
looking back now, these days you call it burnt out. I was, I was a bit burnt out. I was, I was just at the time I was bored. I wasn't enjoying rugby. I wasn't enjoying training. It was, it was, it was a long old grind. Like I say the, we'd started to get a bit more professional, but it was still very long days, very long weeks. The seasons went. went I think ninety nine two thousand season we started with the first league game that fourteenth of August, um, oh. and then we played all the way through until um, well went on tour as well. Uh, so I played away till till June, end of June, really mid June. Um, there, there were 20, 28 league games. There were fifteen teams in the in the, in the Premiership at the time. So you played twenty eight uh, rounds of Premiership uh, cup cup games. Um, again, if you got to the final, there were six more games and European games. There were another six. So yeah, there's there's forty mid forties worth of games there, and, and you know, we played we played Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday quite a bit as well. Certainly four or five times in the season. Um, so that's you know, that's a hell of a treadmill to be on, and just got to the end of my contract. I thought, you know, I can sign a new contract here, or I can I can actually just take a break. I don't, you know, I don't want to just let I don't want to sign a contract and let people down, let the fans down more to the point, but let myself down, let my teammates down. So I said, so I'm I'm going to just go take a bit of a break, I'm going to walk away for a bit, I'm going to do a bit of travelling. Um, at the time, actually, I was was thinking about genuinely going to live somewhere abroad and uh, perhaps play a play a year in Australia or something, whatever. It's all, that bit that was reported at the time. I was walking away to go and uh, start a new life. But, um, I, 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 spoke, I spoke to one of the journos, and that sort of came up, and he, he took it and ran with it as they do. Um, nice. But um, I, so I, I left Saris in in June of two thousand, and um, went on a bit of a bit of a walkabout. I stayed, I stayed in the UK for a bit and caught up with some mates I've not seen for years from school and all that. Uh, then I spent a, a month in Australia in September for the Olympics, uh, and then I spent a month with my wife. My girlfriend back then, wife now, she was working in South uh, North Carolina for a year, so I went and stayed with her for a month. Uh, came back to UK sort of um, December, early December 2000, and my my was he was my agent at the time, but he was more of a mate of mine. He sort of put my name around behind my back in a way. I, I, I said I'd not decided on whether I was going to come back or not and play, uh, but he put my name around and he gave me a bell early December. Um, I think that, Got three clubs uh, would like to have a chat with me about possibly joining joining them now um, for, for for to start after Christmas, and one of them was Leicester, and I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I was quite fancy uh, giving giving it a crack, playing again. Um, Leicester's not not too far from London; it's hour and a half. The other the other two were a, a bit further north, um, so I went up and met Dean Dean Richards, who was my hero when I was when I was a young lad, and. He uh, took me into a meeting room, said, "We really want you here." And I said, um, "Thanks, Dean. Where do I sign?" And, and that was it. <laughs> and, um, I, 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 that was about tenth of December. I signed the contract, and I started just after Christmas and moved up here just before Christmas. And um, yeah, that was it. That was the uh, the end. <laughs> He's not a guy you turn down, is he? When he well, uh, was, <laughs> when he wants you to sign, just go yeah, yes. Yeah, no, he, he, he was. He was genuine. And still is. He still is my rugby idol. I, I, I love watching him. But then. I'd never met him, so I played against Leicester, like I say, nine or ten times, and actually I, I had a few good games. And uh, I sort of walked in. I didn't know, I didn't know. I thought him and John Wells were there. I'd never met Wells again. Again, I knew knew Wells by reputation. I've watched him on TV. I knew <laughs> these boys are, are pretty handy. Um, but he, he sat there. Dean was like, "Yeah, we, we want you." And you know, we, we, you've played against us a few times, and we like what we see. I think you can really add. And I was like, "Geez," I was, I was expecting him to say, "Well, you know, why do you want to come and play at Leicester?" And I was yeah. completely out of pairs. Like, oh, don't, I hate you guys. But uh, um, he, he was just so um, so positive. And um, I, 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 I'd been back to speak to Francois Pienaar at Saris before that because I didn't want to just 
sort of pop up again and, and not speak to them. They didn't have, yeah. didn't have any room in the squad at the time. They'd already filled their, their slots, but I, I, wasn't want to, I didn't want to go back there. I thought it actually just needed a, a bit of a complete change, to change of scenery. Um, so it all just sort of fell into place uh, quite nice. And like I say, Dean was, uh, Dean was great when, when I met him. Yeah, it, it took about two weeks to get everything sorted out and that was it, done and dusted. Um, out of your, your whole career then, uh, what is your, your biggest rugby experience or your best ever match? What's the one that really sticks with you? Well, it's difficult. I, so I, I was fortunate enough to play uh, a long time. I played a lot of games. I played something like 450 odd games as well in, in, uh, in the professional era. Um, and I also was fortunate enough to play in some good teams and with some, with some of the, the best players uh, probably of all time. So it, I always find it different. And I probably have a different answer every time someone asks me that. I, yeah, I've probably got about sort of 20 or 30 I could pick from. But I mean, obviously, your first, your first cap is, is memorable. Um, and actually, my, my first two caps were in Australia in, in 2006. I'd waited a long time. I'd been involved in England, I'd say, late sort of 97, 98. And I went out of, uh, sort of fell out of favour, really, I suppose, for that sort of World Cup period in 99, 2003. Uh, then I sort of resurfaced. And so I didn't get capped until uh, I was just before my 30th birthday in Australia. And actually, I, um, I played really well my first two games. I was on the bench for the first one in Sydney, came on, made a bit of an impact. And then I played pretty well in the second test in Melbourne. I started that. Um, sort of try as well, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, so they're, they're, they're memorable. Um, but I mean, yeah, uh, the World Cup final was memorable as well yeah. for different reasons. You know, we, we lost it, but it's yeah. still still um, still something I have a, have a lot of pride about. But then, I mean, I can think of yeah, a, a bunch of games playing for probably mainly for Leicester. You know, we had some good games at Saracens, but um, you know, Leicester, we, we go to some places where we weren't expecting to win, and you sort of grind out a win with it with some your good mates and yeah those those sort of nights um are, are just as memorable as the big sort of flashy first cap or world cup finals for me it's i do find it very because uh, i think I, i've never really been one for sort of the individual stuff i, I never i don't keep any memorabilia i don't i don't sort of look back at my career and think oh, i did this and that all my memories are about good times i had with 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 good mates and good blokes good players so that's yeah. all means I find it very I can, you asked me which, which game I played best in I'd have no idea um, it, just, it's not, it just doesn't register me. I, I always think about those sort of you know, invariably a good game follow, is followed by a good night particularly if you're away from home and you, you're in somewhere exotic so those, those sort of things are far more uh, stronger memories for me than, than any of the individual stuff to be honest I'm sure I can find out from uh, some of my wife's family who are Leicester fans which ones were your best games and very <laughs> So I'll come back to you on that one. Oh, right. I'm, to it. <laughs> I'm going to pull away from rugby slightly. Um, so I see you're a proud patron of Scotty's Little Soldiers. Yep, that's right. Having played for Scotty's Tigers a few times and knowing the setup with the Scotty's Tigers people. Sorry, mate, you're breaking up a bit. Oh, is that better? Oh, oh it's not. Hello. Oh, you're back. George? I'm still, I can still hear you. I'm just checking the internet. I mean, my wife, my Wi-Fi is terrible here. It's, oh, I was going to say, normally, <laughs> normally it's my side, and they're <laughs> yeah. Given them the tech, guy, I'm the te most technical one out of the lot. It's always my internet. Sorry about that, mate. So yeah, but, um, question again, yeah. Obviously, um, I, I've played for Scottish Tigers times. I know the um, oh, team, and I know the setup there, and I obviously I know Vicky, um, yeah, fairly well. What? How did that all come about? What was your drive to become a patron of such a very well? One of my, I'm a big advocate of. Yeah. Um, Actually, it's quite strange because they started off as a, as a tiny charity in Kings Lynn, like a, a, um, 
a container out of Kings Inn they worked with, whatever. So they were a tiny charity and um, what it been about 2009, something like that, uh, 2008, 2009, Ben Kay had a testimonial year here at Leicester. Uh, yeah. And he, he chose Scotties as, as one of his charities. He had Scotties and Matt Hampson, I think, Help the Heroes. Um, so I first, first met uh, Nicky and Stu um, at, at one of Ben's functions, sort of like, yeah, 2008, 2009, that sort of time. Um, and I, I'm, my family's got quite a lot of military history, uh, particularly tank regiment as well. My brother's in the tank regiment. Um, so I immediately felt quite a strong affinity to them. Uh, met Nicky, met Stu, just really great people. Um, yeah. I remember Nikki's. I think, I think it must have been the first time she stood up in front of a, a room for the people and told her story, uh, and it was just mesmerising. And she's not a public speaker; she's far better now than she was. But back then, she was just a, a, a squaddy's wife, um, and she, she was she was just driving this charity because of uh, her experiences with her, with her son. And her, well, Brooke was six months old at the time, but her son, four years old, I think he was, is special. He had special educational needs. Um, some, someone's got to tell him his dad's not coming back from Afghanistan. Uh, and her story was just, it was just absolutely breathtaking. And um, so I, I was happy to get involved that year with, with Benny and his charities and, and obviously uh, Scotties in, in particular. And then my, I had a benefit year a couple of years later and I'd been in touch with, with Scotties over that time and we'd done a couple of lunches and dinners for them in London and basically sort of trying to help raise their profile. Uh, and, and I adopted them as one of my charities as well. And so I got to, got to, uh, know Nicky and Stu even better and then some of the new guys well not new guys but the guys that have been there from the beginning that I've not met became good mates with them got involved with the the 24 hour rugby stuff that's now about 28 hours and and Nicky Nicky asked me I don't know probably about you know, just around that sort of benefit year time year after that she asked me if I'd be um, an ambassador and I was happy to do it um, it was just like I say, it was a, there's, there's millions of charities out there, and they're all they're all they're all great. It's very difficult to pick, but it just really really rang home to me um, the military side of it, the kids side of it. My my kids were relatively young at the time as well, uh, and then just just actually meeting Nikki and meeting Stu and meeting the people who um, who were just working so hard and so selflessly. It was just um, it was great. I, I, I don't I don't see them a lot now. I still try and do what I can for them. Um, they yeah. picked up a lot more man- momentum, which is great. They've got some pretty big backers. They've got some big, they've, they've been in the, in the tabloids a bit, which is great. Um, but they're, they're still the same people, which is, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, those sort of small, um, small sort of local charities really drive it home to me. I work with Matt Hampson quite a lot. He's obviously a bit bigger now, but he's, <laughs> he's a mate of mine. I, 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 do, I do some work with big charities. Like the Taverners is, is a sort of a, a nationwide thing, a, a, a big, well-established charity. But that, those sort of little charities like, like Scotty's, uh, I think they're just, they're just great and they need as much help as we can give them. Yeah, and it's, it's great to see, such as, as you said, 2009, uh, obviously when it happened, uh, see Corporal Scott yeah. uh, didn't come home and what she did, and obviously from a mental health perspective, she could have gone on a spiraling downward spiral. Yeah, absolutely. What, and the resilience I think she showed not just for her, but for her kids and family, to put that momentum yeah. into something like this has been absolutely inspiring. Yeah. And it just shows to a lot of people, and I hope people who uh, listen to this, that no matter the situation, there is something else you can do. About yeah. yeah. I mean, but the Dower Spiral, you can hit the drink, you can... Yeah. Absolute mental awe, you can take that energy and 
push it out somewhere else. Yeah, yeah it, it, sometimes it, it devalues. People use words you know, inspiring and great. It's, 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 sometimes you don't you don't really appreciate the word you're using. But when you when you meet people like Nick, you meet people like Matt Hanson. These people are inspirational. They they're just they're doing something that I don't think I would be in their position able to do. Um, and you know, like I said, pulling yourself out of uh, uh, the sort of despairing pit that she was in. Uh, mm. to turn herself into what she is now. She's had, she's remarried and got new kids and everything like that, and she's still driving this charity forward. It's yeah, exactly. it, there is there is no other word. It, it is inspirational, and uh, yeah. I, I don't like to dilute it too much, but that, that's that's straight. It's true. No, it is, and I think it should, and that sort of word should be said for the people like, as I say, Matt, yeah, he, um, Captain Tom, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the NHS, obviously, he deserves a big mention because it's his hundredth birthday. Yeah, this is mention for that one. Um, obviously, moving forward slightly, obviously, after rugby, you obviously, I, I had a brief look at your Twitter before we did all this. Yeah. At uh, under the posts, you know, yeah, about that, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, I guess, sort of speaking, um, speaking goes hand in hand. There's loads of ex players out there doing that. I, I've, I've been I've been involved with under the post for uh. A long time now. Tony Andrews, who who founded it and owned the owner, um, he got to know uh, guys like Martin Johnson, Darren Garforth, uh, Dorian West back in the early two thousands because those guys are a massive Scar fans, so they love madness, they love uh, oh. all this sort of stuff. You wouldn't believe it. See these these big idiots moshing in a in a sort of. A pub in Leamington, it's incredible. But, but with, totally, the, with, the dock, with the dock boots, Doc Martin. Yeah, oh, don't, don't, yeah Doc Martin suspenders. Yeah. Oh, they're, 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 they're like a few that I've gone to. Yeah. Scar Tonics, I think, was one of them. Yeah, but I mean, but, 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 but Tony, Tony grew up with a lot of those sort of musicians. He, he grew up in the West Country, so he, he knew a lot of these guys. So he, he could get tickets. He could he could sort of get the lads behind back the stage and all that. So he got friendly with these guys. Tony was working in IT at the time. Um, hating it and was looking for something else to do. I think it, it was uh, either Matt Paul or, or the Garth or the ABC club had a testimonial year that year. I say 2001, I think it might have been 2002, something like that. Um, and they said, Tony, would you would you get some people along, try and sort of put a lunch or a dinner on for us? He had no experience about it, and he thought, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get people there, get some players there, get some sit my friends, and see if we can get some musicians. And he did a couple of these things, one-off things, and eventually he sort of dropped Jack the uh, IT stuff and then went full time and founded this company and so I, I, I got involved with him then I was I'd go and do Q&A's with the lads and just sit on the panel and talk talk uh, talk crap and trying to <laughs> tell him and stuff um, and so I uh, sort of, sort of did, he was doing more and more stuff over the years and I kept getting involved obviously having a bit of profile playing for England helped so I, I you know I was, I was eventually doing afternoon speaking on my own as, as sort of a um, a job, a job to supplement what I was doing rugby-wise, um, and actually, I, I, I never had a problem with it. I never had a problem with um, speaking in public, and I, 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 I shouldn't be judging myself. I, I think it can be quite amusing. I've got some stories. I've certainly got some experiences that I talk about, uh, and they are true as well. People don't believe that, but they are true. Uh, so I, I, I did this all the way through while I was playing, and sort of kept sort of kept my sort of kept ticking over. I suppose more anything. I didn't do it, didn't do it very often, but I did it often enough. Tell us a story that um, not many people know from, from, from one of the nights out back in the day. Tell us, tell us oh, a story. Oh, oh, Charging on the spot. Well, yeah, those, those sort of stories, uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> you have to pay for these, Neil. Yeah, you know, well, I, I, don't, I don't normally tell, tell the, those sort of stories to be honest, because those, those nights out are, um, 
Yeah, that's goes on tour. Happens. Some stuff based on those, but a lot of the time it's yeah, what goes on tour stays on tour. But yeah, no, that's um, fair. Invariably, invariably, actually, the funny stories are more about the sort of characters in and around the squad. So when you're training, people, when you guys probably have the same sort of experience, people say and do stupid no things when you're in a group of lads and those sort of stories. And when I, when I tell those, them, they, they are they, they are true. When I tell them, people are like, you just made that up, haven't you? I'm like, no, it's, <laughs> it's the funniest ones are the ones that are real. You know, there are cute. There are a few stories that, that most speakers use that do the rounds and you just change names and venues. Um, they, they may have happened at one point, but no one knows. Um, yeah. but generally, I'd say that the, 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 uh, the funny ones are the, the ones that are true. Um, <laughs> like I said, I don't, you know, it, it's, it's not all about getting drunk and setting fire extinguishers off and stuff like that, is it? But it helps. Uh, <laughs> it does. <help. laughs> <laughs> so I, mean, I, I carried on doing a bit of that. And then once I finished playing, uh, I, was, I was doing quite a lot of regular stuff with Tony and... He, had, he found a sort of niche in London where we do uh, sporting lunches and dinners, not just rugby, uh, football, cricket. But yeah, he has access to actors, actors and singers and celebs. So he's all, he, he's currently doing, well, not, now, not currently, not now with the lockdown, but we're doing about sort of 70 or 80 events a year in, in, a, wow. in a wine bar in London. And I, I do all the rugby ones now since, since I finished playing and coaching. I, I said, I'm, I'm quite, quite fancy going a bit more full-time with you, kind of get involved in the organisation bit. So I did a bit of that with him as well. Um, so yeah, it's just um, it's good fun. It's not it's not like work, and yeah, you know, it's about the closest thing I've got that, that, to rugby, where I sort of turned up and someone was paying me for something I would have been doing for free. Uh, mm. sort of stuff. You'll get the itch on a Saturday though to get those boots on. No, no. <laughs> you know I, 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 the first year after I retired, I did some work for Leicester with the corporate side. So I hosted um, hosted all the free rooms in, in the new stand. That, mm. that sort of thousand thousand people are, um, for a match for pretty much hospitality, and my first match back, um, I, I sort of sat I sat there and so I do a bit before the, before the game. I take players around, do a bit of Q and A, and basically sort of uh, do a bit of housekeeping, blah blah. Then I go and watch the game. I come back afterwards and we talk about the game and blah blah. So I come a bit and I was sort of sat there about half an hour before kickoff, and I was like, wow, oh, you know what? This is the first game I'm I'm back at since I've retired. So. If I go out there now, I can watch this game and not wish I was out there. I know it was the right decision. And I went out and watched this game, and I was like, for about the first minute, and I was like, thank God I'm not out there. Uh, I didn't miss it at all. I didn't, I didn't feel like I wanted to play. Um, the atmosphere was great. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad game. I think Leicester actually won. Um, and so, but I, I walked out afterwards. I was like, you know what? Don't miss it. So, uh, I obviously made the right decision, and I've not missed it since. I've not. There's not been one game. I've been to. Midlands derbies, um, been, to, been to a couple of test matches, and not once have I sort of thought, oh, I wish I was out there. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, I've done, I've done my time and uh, I've moved on, I think. Make it sound like a, uh, a custodial sentence. Sentence, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, obviously, we're in crazy times at the moment. Um, everyone's talking about COVID-19. Here we go. Here we are. This is, why, this is why they wanted me to introduce myself as... Uh, Denario Neal. Mario Neil, yeah, this is what they. <laughs> we need to get. We, we need to get no, no, no. The last, the last. So we can shout about that. But the last time we nearly ended it before he got his chance to, it was whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, right. The scenario is, you're in lockdown. Okay, you're in one in a house for two weeks. You literally cannot leave the house at all. You're having food brought to you, drinks brought to you. Heaven. Now, you're in that house with one person. <laughs> Who would make it an absolute living hell from someone you played rugby with? Oh, living hell. Lewis Who would be Moody. the worst person to be locked Lewis in? Lewis Moody. See, I don't even think about that. <laughs> Lewis <Wow>. Moody. <laughs> Why is that? 
because he's like a, he's like a hyperactive Labrador. He would not be able to sit still. And he, he, he's all probably, he'd be sitting there watching TV. I didn't live with him, thank God, but Jordy, Jordy Murphy and Leon Lloyd lived with him for years. And he can't just sit still on bed. He's not going to do something. He's all up and out. He'd be like, sort of um, chuck a tennis ball around the garden. No, it's raining. Oh, you're going to do some press-ups or something like that. He just would not be able to keep still. So two weeks locked up in a room with him, he'd be bouncing off the walls. Uh, and he's also, he's a, he's a prankster. So it'd be, <laughs> he'd be hiding around the corner, scaring you, or be uh, putting salt in your coffee or whatever, uh, trying to hit you in the nuts every five minutes. I'd love to put him into Big Brother now and see how oh, Do you know what? He, he would be genuinely, yeah, Milos is a, is a lovely bloke. He's a great bloke. He's, he's, he's genuinely one of, one of life's good guys. But he, he is just like a, a puppy. You have to keep him entertained or he'll, he'll tear your clothes to shreds or something like that. It'd <laughs> be, be great to watch because he, he, he would not, there would not be a dull moment. He would be the bloke, so come on, lad, just go, let's go and do, let's have a glitter fight in the car. <laughs> Why is that the first thing you thought of? Why the glitter fight the first thing you thought of? Well, I don't know, it's just, yeah. Because he's a bloke would have glitter. <laughs> There's someone you need to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> No worries. Well, unless anyone else got any other questions, I think that, that kind of pretty much wraps up for tonight. Um, I still want to know who's been doing the Wikipedia. Who's been doing what the Wikipedia? What did you say with Wikipedia? 98 kilos. That was 98 kilos at one point. Was. <laughs> I, I, I should play my, play my test rugby at 98 kilos. So I've been, I'd have been that for between about 2005, 2010. Yeah. And then I, then I ballooned. I still, I still, I was, to be fair, I was, I was reading through it. At one point, it did mention saying you were part of the 2006-2007 winning team the Heineken Cup and I'm sat there going what? <laughs> I win. He's, def he's definitely been on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I've not actually looked at it. We used to, um, they went through a phase where um, me and well, Benny Kay and uh, what, that five or six of us used to go on each other's Wikipedia and, and change it to change it. <laughs> yeah, that's the sort of stuff. You're bored off the train, you're sat there and there's like a row of, row of uh, MacBooks over there. So, oh, what should, oh, should go and change Benny's... Uh, I think you should go and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it back. You've got the time, haven't you? You've got the time. Oh, yeah, I've got the time. Exactly. You do it. Let us know. We'll get Ben K on at some point. <laughs> and then uh, we'll discuss it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on tonight, George. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. No problem, guys. Hopefully, uh, we can get you on again in the future when the rugby starts up again. Get you get some uh, you know hot topics uh, to run past you if yeah. that's right yourself. Yeah. Well, basically, say say how Leicester's not going to be in top four because Wasps are going to be there. Top four? Uh, maybe Leicester be top nine. Oh. <laughs> oh. No, to, be fair, to be fair, they were saved this season. Yeah. They were saved. What happened? Funny enough, you're two former clubs. With your allegiance to Surrey, just a quick question. How do you think you're going to get on next season? Do you think you're going to bank straight back that? Surrey's, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think there'll be um, too much of a problem there. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's your thoughts on Otoji being stopped going over to France? Well, I, I, I see it. and Well, I, I think first and foremost, I actually agree with that, with that policy of not picking mm -hmm. people who are playing abroad. Um, I mean, it's a difficult situation. If you've got the opportunity to earn sort of 10 times the amount of money you'd earn at, 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 uh, in the championship, then mm. it's difficult to say no. But yeah, that, them's the rules. If he if wants yeah. to play, bring them. And, um, yeah. Because Eddie, Eddie was for it. Yeah. 
Well, I, 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 I guess yeah. the, the opposing teams are like not a yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the whole thing about this it's, it's a strange situation that these guys are going on loan. So basically, what these guys, what these clubs are doing, are keeping Saracens players fresh and sharp for the, for the year after, which seems a bit strange yeah. to me. But you know, but then it's the balance. But then it's the balance to keep them fresh for obviously England duty. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, but, you don't want to be sending them after either time off with Rusty's. We'll get Rusty. Yeah. Or the time, or going into England camps thing, and other team members going, well, they barely played. How the hell? We could talk about that all day, couldn't we? It's, it's <laughs> one of those things, and it's 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 and they, Well, it's a new they, thing that came out in the rugby news, so I brought it up. Well done, okay, well done. You couldn't be very limited rugby news <laughs> we have at the moment. Yes. <laughs> well, once again, thank you very much, George. We'll leave you to it now. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, and um, yeah. we'll see you soon. Hopefully. Cheers, guys. Have a good